I'm Michelle, certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. And I'm Marissa, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and group fitness instructor. And this is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit. Tune in for your twice a week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday. We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple Podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support Indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the cancelling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support Indigenous folks. Hello and welcome back to the Strong and Simple podcast. This is Marissa and I am bringing you this week's mini-sode on the topic of group fitness classes, specifically talking a bit about some of the problematic things that a lot of fitness instructors tend to say in their classes, why they're problematic and what you need to know about those kinds of things. So this episode is going to be both for people who participate in group fitness classes, as well as actual fitness instructors, because I think that we all have a little bit (laughs) we need to learn. So just as a little bit of background about me and why I'm speaking on this subject. So I am a group fitness instructor. I have been teaching for about four years now. I teach primarily bar, a couple different varieties of bar, as well as a like total body sculpt style class. And I've also been taking fitness classes for, I don't know, it feels like eons, I don't know, (laughs) for a very long time. So I've heard a lot of things from being a participant in fitness classes. I've seen a lot of things. I have also seen and heard a lot of things from fellow instructors, um, and I've learned a lot from both my training and also just my experience as an instructor along the way as well. And so I kind of compiled a list for this episode of five of the most common, really problematic things that I have heard come up in fitness classes. And I just want to talk a little bit about why these are a problem and what you can do about it if you've ever had to experience this as a class participant and why you need to stop doing it if you are a fitness instructor listening to this episode. So I'm kind of talking on both sides here, but um, let's dig into it. Let's do it. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about that you hear all the damn time in fitness classes, especially in fitness classes leading up to a major holiday is earn the food, whether it's like earn your Halloween candy or earn your turkey or earn your Christmas dinner or New Year's Chinese food, whatever it is, 
earn the food. I hear this all the time in fitness classes. I actually had a fitness instructor who in every single class, every class I took with this instructor, she would say, you can eat anything as long as you exercise. Ah, I know she was, she was trying to be cutesy. And I really don't think that she thought about what the meaning of that was, what the implications of that were. And I'm sure if at the time, and this was years ago, and I definitely don't know what I know, didn't know what I know now. I think if I had brought it up to her, I don't think she would have been saying that in class anymore. Um, she's a very sweet person, but these things, they, they make our way into our lexicon because as fitness instructors, a lot of this stuff, this is the waters that we swim in. And so it's our job to be critical of those things, to learn from others and to, to ask ourselves, why am I saying this? What impact could this possibly have? Should I stop saying it? So earn the whatever food. So there's basically two things going on with this statement. On the one hand, it's portraying food as something that is to be earned or as like a reward. And two, it's portraying exercise, the purpose of exercise as work in order to earn food. That's the basically the two sides of the coin that's going on here. And this mentality can really promote a disordered relationship with food and with exercise, right? Because you don't have to earn any food. You can eat whatever the hell food you want, whenever the hell you want without exercising. And the purpose of exercise is not to make it okay to eat later. And when we start thinking about food as a reward, when we start thinking of exercise as the task that we have to do in order to earn that reward, that's where we can get into some trouble with some really disordered thinking and an unhealthy relationship with both food and exercise. This idea that like we're only allowed to eat if we work for it. And so what happens from this by extension very often is if you eat whatever the food in question is without having exercised, without having quote unquote earned it, then you feel guilty. You feel like you did something wrong. Like you didn't earn that food. So why are you eating it? You have no business eating that food. And then once we start getting into that, those feelings of guilt, right, then that's when we have the potential for a whole cycle of really harmful behavioral patterns to creep up as we start to feel guilty and ashamed of our food choices. So instructors need to stop telling our participants that they are earning any type of food through exercise because you don't have to earn your food and the purpose of exercise is not to earn food. You can eat whatever you want without exercising and you can exercise without having to follow it up with a big meal, right? The, the, uh, the inverse is true too. So that's the first thing that I hear all the damn time, all the damn time. And this next one that I've kind of put on this list really goes hand in hand with this first one. And is probably just as common again, particularly around holidays or big events. And that is burn the food whether it's burn the turkey, burn off the Halloween candy, burn off the beers, whatever it is. I hear this all the time. I've seen fitness classes titled burn the whatever. Ugh, it's, 
you know, <laughs> let me recollect, I'm getting aggravated. <laughs> so this statement, right? Burning whatever food, right? This portrays exercise as punishment. Exercise is your penance for having done the bad thing of eating a quote unquote healthy, unhealthy, excuse me, food, right? So that in and of itself, super disordered way of looking at exercise and looking at food because it's implying that certain foods are bad and you have to burn off that food. You have to undo what you did and exercise is the means for doing that. And here's the thing, this is factually incorrect. This is literally not the way our body works. You cannot exercise to undo having eaten a certain food. That food, once it's eaten, it is digested and processed and utilized just like any other food. It gets broken down into its usable components in the body. What can get used right away gets used right away. And what can't get stored as fat, or in our amino acid pool, or is glycogen. Boom, bing, bing, boom. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's not like hanging out in a holding tank and you get to selectively choose to burn the Halloween candy when you go to the gym the next day, right? And going along with this, but outside of the fitness class, like if you go online, there's all these really awful, horrible, fucking toxic infographics that tell you like how long you have to do a certain exercise in order to burn off a certain food. And that is literally, it's asking for over-exercise. It's asking for a disordered relationship with exercise. It's asking for somebody to hurt themselves, right? So you cannot just burn off of food. And that's not the purpose of exercise. So please know if you've ever had an instructor who has said, who has said this to you, right? You have no obligation to burn off any food. That's not the purpose of eating. That's not the purpose of exercise. You can enjoy a holiday dinner and not kill yourself at the gym the next day. And you don't have to feel guilty about it either. Okay. So that's the second thing that Drives me crazy when fitness instructors say, and I hear it all the damn time. This third one, it, it's hitting us right now. Um, if you're listening to this episode, if it's like a long time from now, I'm recording this episode in mid-April in the Northeast. So weather's getting warmer and now we're getting hit with all of the advertisements saying things like, get your body beach ready right? Get your beach body, however you want to phrase it. And I hear this in fitness classes all the time, right? Get ready for the beach, get your summer body. I once had a fitness instructor during an arm series, tell us that we were getting ready for tank top season, right? Um, sweating for the wedding. It's all the same concept. And the concept behind this is bodies that look this way, namely thin, lean, toned, whatever, are worthy and bodies that don't look that way are not worthy. And if your body falls into the latter category of maybe not being thin, maybe not being toned or sculpted or whatever, then you should dislike your body and you should want to change it. That's the message there, that if your body falls into that other category, you have no business wearing a bathing suit or a wedding dress or a bridesmaid's dress or a tank top, and you should be working to change it. And this, you know, I don't think any, well, maybe there's some, but most fitness instructors 
aren't saying this thinking I'm trying to convince my participants that they should hate their bodies and want to change them. Right. I don't think they're intentionally thinking that when they say stuff like this, but that is actually the message that saying things like get your tank top arms is conveying. It's saying that tank tops are only appropriate for arms that look a certain way. Bathing suits or the beach are, is only appropriate for bodies that look a certain way. And this is a tactic that's relied on very heavily by the diet industry, the fitness industry, the wellness industry. They want to convince you that you should want to change your body and they want you to be willing to spend however much money it takes to do that. Again, I don't think most fitness instructors are intentionally having this thought. And I don't think most of them are aware of the harm that they're causing when they say things like this. So this really creates this like dislike for our own bodies. It can alienate us from our bodies, you know, especially if you're somebody who has been struggling with your body image. If you're somebody who's been struggling with intentional weight loss or is trying to get off the intentional weight loss train, it can be really, really triggering and detrimental to hear something like this in your fitness class. And you should know that no matter what your body looks like, you are worthy. There is no beach body type. There is no tank top type. It doesn't matter what your body looks like. You are worthy of going to the beach of getting married, of being in a wedding, of wearing sleeveless, of wearing shorts, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There is no body type prerequisite for any of these things. So that's number three. I didn't plan on giving everybody a little pep talk at the end of each, each one of these. So you're welcome. <laughs> so that's number three. Uh, number four, and this one is... I'm just going to, it's dangerous, plain and simple. Push through the pain. Don't you dare quit. Uh, no pain, no gain, right? Any of those types of sayings, if your instructor is saying any of those types of things, or worse, individually and publicly calling out folks during your class who are taking a break or slowing down or struggling. I think that's, I mean, that's even, that's absolutely unacceptable and inexcusable. I don't give a shit what the class is. You do not call out participants during class for having a difficult time with that class, period, the end. Okay. So my issue with this is one, I mean, that's shitty behavior. You're just a bad person as an instructor, if you're doing that, because you're trying to make somebody feel so embarrassed that they keep going. That's not a tactic. That's not a motivational tactic. Okay. Um, and this is potentially dangerous. If you're telling somebody to push through the pain, right? If somebody is literally having feelings of pain and you're saying, just ignore it, it's normal, push through it. You, somebody could get seriously hurt. They could have a medical emergency. So many things could go wrong from this kind of mentality. And it is irresponsible and unethical for any fitness instructor to be saying things like this. Um, calling it quitting too, right? Quitting, I mean, it has such a negative connotation and it implies that this person just doesn't wanna try. Our bodies give us cues for a reason. There's a difference between the feeling of effort 
in a physical activity and pain. When you're feeling pain, that's a red flag and you should listen to it. It doesn't matter what your instructor says. You shouldn't ignore what your body's trying to tell you and you can trust what your body is trying to tell you. Okay. You don't need to be pushing yourself until you throw up in a fitness class. That's not necessary. And uh, it's gross too. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I've been in classes where I've heard instructors say no pain, no gain. And that is, that demonstrates in my mind that that fitness instructor does not actually care about your well-being. And if I were you, if you were in a class and you have an instructor who uses phrases like that, I'd find a new fitness class, honestly, because I definitely worry what would happen if there were a medical emergency in that class. So that's number four. I got real serious with that and angry with that. I'm not sorry. (laughs) at all. So I just have one more thing on this list for this episode. And this is actually more of a a thing to do rather than things said. Um, And that is not asking for permission before doing hands-on adjustments. Um, So what a hands-on adjustment is, if you've never heard this phrase before, is basically um, when an instructor approaches a student in class and physically puts their hands on them to physically manipulate the position that they're in. So if they see like an issue with someone's form, they'll go up, put their hands on that person and physically adjust them. Um, This is typically like, it's supposed to be like a last resort for fitness instructors, right? If, If a student isn't quite able to, or isn't maybe not hearing the verbal cues or the verbal cues aren't translating into physical adjustments. Um, Or maybe, you know, some students just, it's a a process to be able to become aware of where your body is or your positioning is. Um, So it shouldn't be like immediately go up to somebody and put your hands on them. First of all, you have verbal cues for that and you have visual cues for that too. You demonstrate as an instructor. But your instructor should always be asking before doing that, right? This can be a horrifically triggering experience to have an instructor unannounced put their hands on somebody without asking them first. If this is somebody who is a survivor of assault, if this is a survivor of, you know, any type of abuse, somebody on the autism spectrum, right? could really not respond well to being touched by somebody else. Um, Hey, we're living in a pandemic. A lot of your students might not be comfortable with you getting so close to them that you can put your hands on them. So always, 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 your instructors should be asking for permission before they put their hands on you. Um, When it comes to my classes, what I do is I make an announcement at the beginning of class, letting people know that I do do hands-on adjustments And I have everybody close their eyes. This is going to sound a little extreme, but this is the most efficient way that I have found to put people at ease and make people comfortable expressing their preferences. So I'll have everybody close their eyes so nobody sees who raises their hand. And then I ask folks who do not want me to approach them or put my hands on them to raise their hand. And I remember who that is. And then even after having done that, If during class, I see someone who does need an adjustment, I turn off my microphone pack, walk up to them and I ask, is it okay if I put my hands on you right now? And if they don't give me a very clear yes, then it's a no, and I'm not gonna do it. So that, I mean, some people might think that my approach is excessive, 
my goal is for everybody in my class to feel comfortable and feel safe. And so I do what I think I need to do to ensure that. And adding on to that, turning off the microphone so that people don't feel embarrassed, right? The goal to me is to be discreetly offering them a correction, not making it a spectacle for the entire class to witness, because that could be enough that that person never comes back again, because they're, maybe they were the only person that received a hands-on adjustment, the whole class or for that series. And they're afraid that people are judging them now. And I put them in an uncomfortable position. So keeping it as discreet as possible while also understanding, you know, maybe for safety's sake, they do need to be adjusted. Okay. So as an instructor, you have no business putting your hands on anybody without their permission. If you are a participant in a class and an instructor is putting their hands on people without permission, honestly, for that, I would say go right to the studio owner or that instructor's supervisor and let them know that that's happening, especially in light of, I mean, there's been a lot of controversies coming out lately, very unfortunately, about some bad actors in the fitness field inappropriately touching their personal training clients, for example. So especially, you know, in light of the fact that, you know, we're, when you think about a fitness class, right, we're wearing tight clothing. Some of us are wearing more or less to have somebody come up and put their hands on you is a very vulnerable thing. So there should always be very clear affirmative consent before there's any touching going on in a fitness class. Or, I mean, at any time ever, really. <laughs> but since we're talking about fitness instructors in this context and a fitness class. So those are the five things that I have seen or heard and think need to be changed in the group fitness setting and could be a red flag for a participant in a group fitness class. And if you have as a participant experienced any of this, first and foremost, I am so sorry that you went through that experience. And I am so sorry if it had an adverse impact on you. I want you to know that not all fitness instructors are like that. Not all fitness classes are like that. And that your comfort and well-being should be the top priority. And I would encourage you if any if you see anything going on that you think is inappropriate, please report it to the, whoever is appropriate. because um, I can guarantee if if you've experienced it, so has somebody else. And that needs to be dealt with in a timely manner, especially in a group exercise setting where a fitness instructor is exposed to so many different people that really needs to be taken care of quickly. And understanding also that, you know, with any type of exercise, there is an inherent risk of injury. And so, you know, there needs to be an attentiveness and a responsiveness on the part of an instructor. So those are I would, I would classify these as toxic, possibly harmful things that can happen in group fitness settings. Hopefully they don't, but um, these are things that if you do this, if you're an instructor listening, please be more mindful at the very least of the words that are coming out of your mouth and understand that intent doesn't matter if you're causing harm to your participants and you need to make amends for any harms that you may have committed, whether intentionally or inadvertently. Um, I know that 
it's the waters we swim in as fitness instructors. We hear this kind of stuff all the time from our colleagues because we're in the industry. Sometimes we subconsciously start repeating some of these types of phrases in our classes and don't even think about it. Um, so I would encourage you to kind of do like a little bit of a survey of your, your, your class as you're teaching it and think about like, am I using any of this language? Am I saying any of these phrases? Um, and what can I say? instead? How can I flip that around and make sure that I'm not inadvertently causing harm by saying any of these things or doing any of these things? So that is this week's mini-sode. Um, thank you for listening, as always. Michelle and I very much appreciate that. If you liked this episode, please be, be um, we would greatly appreciate a review. Five stars is always really awesome. <laughs> um, or a like or a follow, depending on the podcasting platform, please tell your friends. And if you have anything that you want us to discuss on a future episode, whether it's a mini-sode or a full episode, we want to hear from you. We also just want feedback, right? If you've got something to say about a previous episode, tell us. The email address is strongandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a website now. It's called strongandsimplepodcast.com. How's that for consistent? Pretty good, huh? <laughs> so that's it for this week's mini So Be sure to tune in later on this week for our next full-length episode. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. This has been an episode of the Strong and Simple Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics we've discussed or about any of our guests, please make sure that you visit us on Instagram at Strong and Simple Podcast. And if there's ever any topics, questions, concerns, anything that you would like to suggest to us, please feel free to email us at strongandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.